What's going on, my friends? That's not just a throwaway greeting. What's going on? Answer that question right now. Are you feeling good? Check in with yourself. Reflect on this moment. Are you feeling bad? Are you in the middle? Are you shuffling through your podcasts? Wondering if this is going to be a good one and if it's kind of weak, if it's kind of slow in the first five minutes, you're going to abort and go to a new one. I got to capture you immediately. I got to capture you right now. I think I know what to do. I think I'll just say global warming, right? I mean, global warming, right? You could say that in any social setting and it makes you look politically aware. Makes you look environmentally conscious. I mean, geez, climate change global warming, right? And it probably applies to really, really cold weather or really hot weather or any weather pattern that seems out of the ordinary. Like right now, it's too cold for the Bay Area. Not complaining. I realize what it's like in other parts of the country right now, but it's too cold. It's too cold and I'm too soft. I am a California softy. You throw me into Minnesota right now, I freeze, I die. But for me, here in the Bay Area, can't handle it. So a part of me just wants to dismiss all of it and go, yeah, that's global warming. I could read about global warming and climate change, and I could say a lot of smart things. But what about all of us who choose to say the easy thing? Man, that's it's just global warming. And then you move on. You can't stay in that conversation too long, because then you got to explain some things. Then you got to prove everything you know about global warming. And all the solutions. And everything that's attached politically. But if you just say to people, you look, you got to look very distraught at first. You go, this weather, man. This weather. I mean, global warming. That's the hottest topic right now. I'm only half kidding, by the way. It's raining way too much. Are we noticing that? A little too much rain. From this point on, for the rest of my life, any abnormal weather... We just get to say global warming and move on and hope that we look smart. So do I sound smart, huh? Check the box. Yes. All right. It's a week after the Super Bowl. Here's my takeaway. Number one, very boring game. Number two, it doesn't matter. It's still fun. You make a lot of food, wings, nachos, dips, guac, spinach artichoke, quesadillas. I feel like it's a great food holiday. And you can rely on commercials that are usually really entertaining. We put so much pressure on those commercials, don't we? And the halftime show, we all become music critics. For about 15 minutes, we all act like we know how to judge a performance. Oh, Adam Levine's vocals. My God, so good. Or, ah, he wasn't hitting the notes. It's not in his register anymore. Everybody in America becomes music critics for about 15 minutes. That Super Bowl performance, it's like we're all at the same concert together. And then some football. A large percentage of Americans don't care about the football. So when I say the game was boring, doesn't matter. Still a fine experience. However, I realized a couple of things. Number one, there's a lot of festivities and events and things that go into one event. It is simply, if I could just strip it down for a moment, it's simply a four-quarter professional tackle football game. All right, that being said, the city of Atlanta or any host city, they put on two weeks worth of parties. And their infrastructure is going to handle millions of people that come into their town. And the restaurants are going to be booming. The clubs are going to be booming. The parties are going to be booming. It's a huge event. 
You get closer to the game, the media frenzy. These players are being interviewed. And they're not just football players. They are true celebrities at the Super Bowl. And it seems like they give media credentials to anybody and everybody from any outlet. Radio, TV, blogs, podcasters. There's just a swarm of media. Tons of microphones, tons of storylines, and it's exciting, the glamour and glitz. And even the day of, it seems like the pregame show is 48 hours, the postgame show is 48 hours. I already mentioned the Super Bowl commercials and the halftime show. And it's all for one professional tackle football game. This is very American, very opportunistic. How do you make a buck? How do you make a lot of money surrounding one small event? If you really think about it, a football game is kind of a small event, but the amount of revenue being generated and buzz surrounding an event, it's beyond words. It's off the charts. And it captures everybody's attention. It's American holiday. One of the good ones, too. Doesn't discriminate against any religion. Doesn't even really discriminate against non-sports fans. Everybody get in the living room, eat some food, and enjoy yourselves. We've adopted this style of celebrating with every little thing. And it's smart. I'm not criticizing it. It's smart. You generate some money, birthdays, engagements, Valentine's Day. People have Oscar parties, Grammy parties, Emmy parties. Reason to celebrate, reason to buy gifts for people, reason to make some good food. It's great. We are really good at hyping things up. America is the hype machine. Best marketing, best advertising, best promoting. And it always becomes bigger than the event. I know you're thinking about the Fire Festival documentary. There was no event, but the hoopla and the hype surrounding it and the way word gets out, it's contagious. It spreads like wildfire, how people get excited about certain things, certain fads. And it's all based in one word, money. That's it. We do a pretty good job of getting excited enough to start spending. The Super Bowl is just dollar signs. That's all I see. Here's my other observation. I don't even know if I provided an observation about the first part. But the second thing I noticed is that the media needs to take a back seat to the celebration that ensues after the game. After the game, I need to see the players come together, high five, hug, cry together, dance together, celebrate together. I need to see the handshakes, the opposing team, congratulate the winners. I need to see the emotions. I need to see the coaches shake hands. I need to see the camaraderie, the fraternization. I need to see all of that in real time, the raw, uninterrupted footage. I need that as a sports fan. I believe this is what all sports fans need. However, the broadcast companies don't realize that. They immediately shove a microphone into the players' faces. They don't let the players celebrate. They need the players to conduct themselves professionally in an interview. This is the worst thing about these big games is that you can't really see the raw natural emotions because they immediately have to have a sideline reporter asking them such meaningless questions. Who has ever in the history of sideline reporting watched one of these interviews and said, you know, this is really enticing. This is exhilarating. I'm learning so much. It's just the worst boring filler. These formulaic questions that have nothing to do with the moment. How did you feel out there? I felt good. What was it like winning? It felt good. Do you think you guys will win again next year? I certainly hope so. What kind of stupid 
pointless exchange is this that we need it right after the game? So here's what I'm pertaining to this time, but it happens in all sports. Tom Brady and the Patriots win another Super Bowl. Not surprising, hell of a dynasty. And with all the scandals and controversy in the past, it's still admirable. Anybody who hates on the Patriots needs to check themselves just for a moment. We're talking about, I have to admit it, the greatest quarterback and coach combo of all time. Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. I don't even think that's a debate anymore. And he's still doing it well into his 40s. And he's not going anywhere. He's probably just going to win another one next year and shut up all of the critics. Maybe envy causes a lot of hatred because we're talking about a great looking guy and a good life and a pretty wife and nice kids. And he stays out of trouble. But I digress. Immediately after the game, the confetti, the fireworks, they swarm him. I've never seen this amount of media members with access. Why are they giving credentials to this many media members? If you want it to be CBS and maybe a few others, fine. Have security keep everybody on the sidelines for at least 10 minutes so the players can act naturally in their own habitat, in their own environment. But Tracy Wolfson, and I'll get back to her. I don't really like her. But she comes out there. She's like the size of Sherry O'Terry. She's about five feet, you know, very small. Probably has some handlers and some guards trying to push her up to Tom Brady for this interview. And it doesn't work. So it created the most awkward television I've seen in years. She couldn't get the interview because Brady would not honor the immediacy of her request. He wanted to hug the owner, Robert Kraft. He wanted to hug some of his teammates. He wanted the moment. And she is pushy. She is trying to get that mic into her face. And I'll give her credit. I know it's her job. It's her job description. Get that interview immediately. But she's competing with all the other outlets, all the other sports radio stations and channels. All the other broadcasters are now elbowing and shoulder to shoulder. And people are screaming and swearing, let her through, let me through, hey, back up. And they can't create any space. So all you see is Brady in a claustrophobic sea of heads. And then the occasional player coming up and muscling through the media storm to give him a handshake. And this is all unfolding without a break to commercial, without the broadcasters cutting in to describe anything. It was kind of cool, kind of awkward, but entirely terrible because you realize this shouldn't be how sports are. We should allow these athletes to have a grace period. Back to Tracy for a moment. I wouldn't say I've met her, but I had one interaction. And this goes back maybe 2012. The radio station I was at, they sent me to Philadelphia to cover America's game, Navy, Army. And it is truly a wonderful game. Has nothing to do with the AP rankings. You know, has nothing to do with the playoff picture. It has everything to do with patriotism and just bringing people together to cheer for our military on the field. It's great. Army versus Navy, the football game. So they sent us out on a flight, put us up at the Marriott. It was a great trip. And then, of course, the next day after Radio Row, where you do shows with all these stations across America, it's time to go to the field. And this is Lincoln Financial, I think, where the Eagles play. Great stadium. Take us on a bus down there. And we were credentialed, of course. I say, of course, because I don't think I would just naturally buy a ticket to the Army-Navy game. But we were there to cover it. So my co-host and I immediately, we get lost. You know, we're not lost, but we're just looking around the whole stadium. We want to take a little tour. And then, of course, you get hungry. You look for the media buffet. There's no hungrier bunch of humans on earth than media members looking for a free bite to eat. And we go down to the low tunnels of the stadium. It seems like we're at ground level, maybe below in a basement. I don't know. But then there's this big sign. It says media. So we follow it. And we go into this big room. 
and there's nobody in there except Tracy Wolfson and one other guy, probably the technical guy. And right as we go to the door, she screams, you can't come in here. Frantic. You can't come in here. Didn't know we were media. Probably thought we were super Tracy Wolfson fans, fanatics, stalkers. I don't know what was going through her head, but her tone, her tone was a little rough. I was like, then where's the media buffet? And she looked dumbfounded. Like, you guys are media? Yeah. She treated us like a couple of hobos. You can't come in here. And then she looked at the one guy in the room as if to say, get him out. And he came over, the muscle. Hey, fellas, get away from Tracy, huh? She'll sign autographs after the game, but get, get away from Tracy, huh? I'm like, I don't even want to say hi to Tracy. We're looking for hot dogs, chicken wings, Dr. Pepper, my friend. It's true. Media members eat like shit. Deep fried, cover it in cheese, soda pop, soft serve ice cream. The best media spreads will give you a heart attack immediately after. So I don't even think that's a, I met Tracy Wolfson story and I don't want to meet her. But when I see her muscling around with the media, I just want her to take a step back. I didn't mind it at all that Brady wasn't speaking to her. And then eventually when he did, eventually when he did, he was very nice. Hey, Tracy, vibrations. I wonder if they still register. I wonder if they're still so special or if this is just like work. Like all of us Americans that go to work and we do it so much, no matter what job you have, even if it's a great job, it becomes normal. And I've talked about that before. I don't care if you're on the Golden State Warriors, a librarian, a lawyer, a doctor, working at Staples, or Sabaro, serving slices of pizza. I don't care what you do. Eventually, it just becomes normal. My day-to-day routine. Normal as in, this is not wonderful and this is not terrible. I feel like a lot of jobs become just, you know, part of life. Like going to the bathroom, taking a shower, eating a meal. This is my work. Sometimes you got to take a step back to realize, oh, I love this job or, oh, I hate this job. But when you're just in the monotony of it, even if it's not a monotonous job, just feels normal. I wonder if that's Brady. If he just wakes up in the morning and sometimes forgets that what he's doing is so spectacular and special. If he's just like, yeah, this is the part of my life where the confetti falls on my head and I have another ring in a championship and millions of people watch me play tackle football. You know, he carries himself with such composure. You've never seen Tom Brady freak out, wide-eyed. You've never really seen him that emotional with the media. I mean, sometimes he gets aggravated. I've seen that. He gets frustrated sometimes. He even hangs up on sports radio hosts if they ask questions he doesn't like. But he never gets too mad. Like, even when I've heard him terse with the media, he kind of just explains, guys, I don't like that question. I think I'm going to end it here. Kind of nodding his head. You know, very politely. Guys, you know what? I don't really want to talk about that today. So I think I'm just going to leave. And I'm going to go home to my model wife. Do you guys know her? Her name's Giselle. Google her. Okay. That's what I go home to. No, he's not condescending. But still, this has been going on for so long. Since I was like a sophomore in college, Tom Brady has been on top of the world. I'm now 37 and Tom Brady's still on top of the world. It can't still be so special. It can't be. There's no way that he still gets as excited to win the Super Bowl. And that's why he was so composed with Tracy Wolfson. Hi, Tracy. Yeah, I'm coming back next year. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to do this again. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, bye. Check that man for batteries. Doesn't even get nervous. All right, here's a question for you. Are we, collectively, are we all in America becoming lazy? And is that the goal? To head into a lazier direction? People are working so hard right now. 
in Silicon Valley. People are working so hard to make things easier for us. And eventually, that'll make us lazier. I'm wondering, is that true? Is that true? You have so many people working hard to create things like Alexa. Alexa is something you put in your home. For those of you that don't know, and you just speak to the air, and this woman's voice honors all of your demands and requests. Alexa, put on the Beatles' Abbey Road album. It starts. Alexa, tell me a good oatmeal raisin cookie recipe. She starts to tell you. Alexa, what's the weather outside? It's raining. Global warming. Thank you, Alexa. Alexa, what's the closest gas station? All we're doing is speaking into the air, if you have Alexa. Now, you know me. I don't ever want Alexa in my home. But this is making us look lazier. All of the many tasks that we would have to do on our own, research on our own, look up things on our own. Now it's just one thing, Alexa. And sure, it's just a vocal Google. I get it. But the hard work that has been done to create things like Alexa, that's half the story. This is the best way to describe America. That's the title of today's podcast, America. We are a hardworking nation. We are. But I think we want to progressively make everything so easy so we can be lazy. But we haven't realized that it's just going to create more work for us to get there. I hope this makes a little bit of sense. So any appliances that you have in your house, any contraptions, you know, that you felt the need to buy, you know, every one of my coworkers talks about the Instapot. Oh, you got to get an Instapot. Meaning you have to cook things way faster than you used to cook things. We have to do things faster. You remember your Crock-Pot? Oh, is that old? Get rid of your Crock-Pot. You need an Instapot. And I know the Crock-Pot is a commitment to set it in the morning, put all the ingredients in the Crock-Pot in the morning. And then when you get home, dinner's done, the Instapot says, just do it, I don't know, 15 minutes before you want the meal. But how many people, scientists, engineers, chefs, have worked hard to create this new thing for the kitchen? So that's the hard work, and now we, the people, get to reap the benefits and say it's so much easier. It's like a seesaw. Work hard, 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 hard. Allow people to be lazy, 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 lazy. There's endless examples. Endless examples. So we do need to credit ourselves. If this world feels easier... And isn't that the classic story? Grandpa says, I used to walk in the snow to get to school and you kids have the luxury of this and that and heat and AC and everything is supposed to be better and creating more comfort for us. Even with babies, think about babies 100 years ago. They didn't have so many of the things that we now put in the diaper bag before we leave the house. And now that is just normal. We don't appreciate that it's making everything better. We don't. Because when things become normal, you stop appreciating them. Are we going in a direction where every house is going to have Alexa and it'll just be normal? Sure. I even remember as a student going to a wall of books called encyclopedias and actually doing research that way. No one's going for the microfiche in the library. Just Google it up. Hey, do a story on the Russian Revolution. Okay, I'll Google Russian Revolution. And then I'll do a works cited bibliography. Is it easier to be a student nowadays? Hell yes. All right, that's my opinion about that debate. Hell yes. And I've talked about this with my colleagues as well. They agree. Sure, there's different stresses nowadays. But I think a lot of students are coddled. I do. I think we're soft with the young people of America now. And that's not a bad thing. 
not a bad thing at all. I'm just stating my opinion is it's easier right now to be a student. Some people will highly disagree with that. But because there's more of an emphasis on mental health than there has ever been for young people going through high school and going through college, there's more of an emphasis on making sure that they're not overly stressed to the point where they're going to you know, break down. We don't want to make them sad. We don't want to piss them off. We want to provide a comfortable learning experience. This is kind of new. This is kind of new. Come on. If you went to school in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, maybe even through the 90s, you were less coddled. You actually had teachers who probably treated you like a number. You're just a kid in my class. Nowadays, you really have to connect with the individual, know their likes and dislikes, their tastes, read everything about them, learn about them. It's all a good thing, but I just think the way we coddle, that probably sounds like a negative word, but maybe just the way we take care of young people nowadays, it makes for a much better experience in the classroom. So when I say sure, I used to have to research encyclopedias to do a research paper and even word processing, you know, typing, all that stuff is so much easier nowadays. You know, just share a Google Doc. There's no more my dog ate my homework. You don't even need hard copies of anything anymore. But why is it easier to be a student nowadays? Because people have worked so hard. You know, Google Education, Google Docs, Google Classroom. People have worked harder and harder and harder behind the scenes to make a lot of things easier. Camping. How about this? Camping. Isn't camping just supposed to be leave your home, sleep outside? If I was to simplify camping, first you have to own an actual home to go camping. I'm not making a joke, but if you're homeless and you live outside, camping no longer exists. It's not a concept. Okay, you can't call it camping. You're trying to survive. But if you own a home and you leave to sleep outdoors, it's an activity called camping. But what has happened to camping? The camping industry. Go into any of these stores, REI. There's now endless things to make it comfortable enough to feel like you're not roughing it. I've camped with my friends. Everybody wants to bring something new. Flashlights for the head. Cool ways to cook your food outside. Comfier mats. You know, Tempur-Pedic mats to sleep on. High-tech tents to keep the weather out. There's a generation of people right now that think camping is roughing it. Going outside, we're going to battle nature. No, you're not. There's zero risk and discomfort nowadays with camping. And I'm not acting like when I went camping, it was a rock for a pillow and a leaf for a blanket. But it's just amazing to think how camping requires tons and tons of work, right? All of this comfort that you would get if you ever go camping, you would have to spend a half a day packing up, packing and packing and acquiring the right backpacks, the right equipment, the right materials, and you would work so hard, but eventually, when you feel like you're relaxing under the stars, you just oh, isn't this simplicity so great? Just clear your mind. Bullshit. You just worked your ass off to enjoy that, what, couple of hours under the stars? I feel like there's a point here. Maybe some of you are picking it up. There's a point here. Hard work, America. Hard work, our nation works hard with the idea that we're making it easier. And perhaps we'll get lazier as a people, as a society. It's never supposed to be that way. Hard work is supposed to be rewarded. So we're never supposed to actually reach this conclusion of we are officially lazy now. But it's just we are committed to the hard work that'll let us truly unwind and feel some laziness. Work hard, play hard. Relax 
really hard. All right, I'll end with this. I had a student in our last school newspaper write about the Beatles and how their music is now enjoyed by far less than it used to be. Far less people, young people, are enjoying the Beatles. Why? Their parents are now from a younger generation. So oldies, you know, if a kid right now is 15, 16, 17, oldies being played in the home are not as old. So my generation, our parents, definitely played the Beatles, loved the Beatles, experienced Beatlemania. Now, this young generation, their parents are not from the Beatlemania, Ed Sullivan, Sgt. Pepper generation. And if you think about this, slowly, and I mean very slowly, because the Beatles were prolific, amazing in my opinion, just timeless sound. You would think a timeless sound. Maybe I'm misusing the word timeless. You would think, you know what, that'll last forever. Hell no. The Beatles will not last forever. We all thought that. But how many teens right now, how many 16-year-olds, when they're alone, listening to music, are bumping the Beatles? 0.008%? My generation still liked it. I feel like you know, enough people would still put some Beatles on a playlist, You know, feel the need to know about John and Paul and Ringo and George, learn some of those songs on the old acoustic. This generation, their parents maybe would play Journey in the house. Huey Lewis, Madonna, Michael Jackson. Maybe those are the oldies that these teens are now exposed to. Whitney Houston, it'll be oldies. It's weird to think about, but less and less people listening to the Beatles. What's that going to create? A forgotten sound. Whatever music my great-grandpa was listening to, I ain't listening to it anymore. And guess what? No one is. My dad's dad, my dad's dad, my grandpa, who I knew, I remember seeing a Nat King Cole tape in his home i was like all right nat king cole i know the name we listened to it together it was good and then i realized god this is so ancient it was good still and his daughter natalie you know she continued performing singing a lot of his songs but now how many kids know nat king cole or would even spend one second listening barely any and then their kids are not going to listen to any of it so you'll see this bands that we thought were timeless the last and last and last? Of course not. I don't even think Hendrix is that big anymore. Chuck Berry? No one's listening to any Chuck Berry. We were wrong when we all thought the Beatles will last forever. No. And even worse than that, I do have some students that have sampled it and said, I don't get it. I hate it. Seriously, I've had some young students say, what's the hype about the Beatles? That music sucks. And to me, I'm you know initially offended. I go, What? sucks and then i have to realize okay 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 15 16 year old right now listening to you know a song that came out in 1962 probably not connecting with it that's okay it's okay maybe they just don't realize that all the current stuff they're listening to you know derives from these old sounds like the musical guest on saturday night live recently greta van something if you know what i'm talking about they were doing an impression of led zeppelin it was like karaoke or the band heart you know, it was an exact impression, but it wasn't karaoke. This band probably thought they were original. And the young people listening to this band and the lead singer, he could sing, but he was doing an impression. It's like the best karaoke singer you've ever seen is still trying to sound like the original. Now you have bands that are famous because of that exact reason, that they've succeeded sounding like a previous band. But the young audience members that they're gathering and creating, maybe they're not as informed. 
that this is exactly how Hart sounded. This is exactly, I-G-G, exactly, exactly how Led Zeppelin sounded. And I looked up the ages of these musicians. They're really young, really young. They're brothers. And you could tell they're talented. You know, they can play their instruments just fine. But my God, there was nothing original. So the baton is being passed, but maybe the past is not being honored. Ooh, write that down. Write that down, okay? That's inspirational. That's some profound shit coming at you. You realize I didn't swear as much during this podcast? Did anybody? Did you kind of realize that? Maybe I should tone that down. I don't know. I'm taking requests. What do you want to hear more or less of? Do I have thick enough skin to take requests? Yeah, probably not. All right. So leave a rating on iTunes. Go ahead. Drop in that five stars, won't you, dear? Yeah, thanks, pal. All right, Ace. Uh, Happy 40th to my boy JP down in L.A. Happy 4-0 to JP in L.A., the big dog. That's a big birthday. Worth going big for. Worth celebrating. Worth staying up past 9 p.m. for. So happy 40th. An early happy Valentine's Day to everybody. Getting ready to make those dinner reservations. And you know I got to go to Marin Joe's. You know I got to get that tableside Caesar. I'll wait 50 minutes. No longer. I don't think if they say it's an hour wait, I would ever wait. But if they go, it's about 45.50. That just sounds so much different. I'll wait 45.50 for a good dining experience. We all have our threshold with wait. How long we're willing to wait for anything. Everybody's different. Me, I'm probably more on the impatient side. Like if somebody puts you on hold, which is every time you call any business nowadays. Valvoline, will you hold? Sure. Give them about, uh, I'd say two minutes, 45 seconds. And if it's still the music. Why the hold music? I don't need that. That'll just drive me insane. I'm okay with silence. I'm totally okay with silence. I won't feel like we're disconnected. I can look at my cell phone and see that we're still connected. Enough with the you're on hold music. It's never good. It's never good. Coles, will you hold? No. What if you say no? Has anyone ever said no in the history of will you hold? Macy's, this is Kathy. Will you hold? I guess. Wait, hold on, Kathy. Nope. You're on D. This song will make me hang up. Patience. I don't have it. Maybe I'll find it one day with enough meditation, but right now, I don't have it. Could I even listen to this? All 30 minutes of this? Did you just do it? If so, I congratulate you. And I appreciate you. And and I love you. I didn't want to cry today. I didn't want to cry today. I'm going to do a jaw clench cry. A jaw clench cry is when you still want to talk. You still want to talk through your tears. I love you. All right, that'll do it. Episode 47. It's in the books. I'll talk to you soon.